Hey, Freedom Fighters, welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. I've got another great guest for you today. His name is Bernard Reese. What's going on, Bernard? How you doing? Awesome, Mike. Uh, really excited to be here. I love what you do. Love ADPI, Active Duty Passive Income, and looking forward to the show. Oh, man, I am looking so forward to this show, too. We're going to talk about some amazing uh, topics here when it comes to tax-free retirement, right? And, uh, and guys, I'm telling you, Bernard is an expert at it. Uh, he's been doing this for so long. I'm, I'll let him get into his bio, but, uh, but we're excited to talk about a topic that we haven't really deep dived yet, right? And it's this whole topic of self-direction with retirement planning and how you can grow your wealth tax-free. So I'm really excited to get into it. Bernard, do you mind giving us a little bit of a background and how you got started from where you're at? Uh, let's do that. All right. Uh, so by training, uh, just like formalities, I'm a CPA. Uh, I've got a life insurance license, PNC license, securities license. Uh, so I'm all about taking a holistic and integrated approach. And when it comes to the financial world, everything is very, very siloed, uh, particularly when it comes to investing. Um, uh, you may go to a, an account, a tax accountant for one component of it. Uh, then you may find that that person is a tax preparer, but they're not really well-versed in tax strategy. Uh, and then when it comes, to, you may look at for, to a financial advisor who is really a security salesperson. You know, they may be advising you, hey, buy this mutual fund, buy that stock. Um, they'll be selling you those kind of things. And then you may have a life insurance agent um, who's going to be selling you insurance products. And all of those from time to time will probably present some one or another different kind of strategies that they're able to sell to you. Uh, my experience has shown is that if you want to get the optimal outcome for yourself, um, you've firstly, you've got to be well-educated. You've got to educate yourself. Don't rely on anybody else. Uh, you've got to be educated enough to ask the right questions um, to get to the bottom of things. And then you've got to take an integrated approach. You've got to be able to look at everything, really understand it and say, hey, based on my goals, my objectives, my beliefs, and where I want to go personally and financially, uh, what's the route for me? Uh, you don't want to be sold to. And what that means is uh, you want to be self-directed. Uh, you may take a product that a financial advisor sells to you, but not because it was sold to you. You want to be the buyer, the educated buyer. Right. And one area where this is really prevalent is when it comes to retirement accounts. Um, they are dominated. They are the domain of financial advisors. Um, hey, put your money in this account. Uh, it's going to save you on your taxes. And then that's captive money. That's captive AUM assets under management uh, that they're able to invest, so to speak, on your behalf. They're going to be making a percentage. They're uh, going to be selling, getting a commission. And it doesn't have to be that way. You are free to choose to invest in the assets of your choice. And if your choice is real estate, if you've got an angle on real estate, 
or you've got a buddy that's got an angle on real estate, or you're getting educated about real estate and you say, hey, I need to get into this. How do I get in? You know, you need capital. Well, retirement accounts have lots of capital. If you've got a TSP, 401k, IRA, that can be your ticket into real estate. You can really self-direct that account by channeling that money to tax liens, long-term rentals, short-term rentals, hard money loans, uh, whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about today. Outstanding. Yeah, definitely excited for it, man. And, and uh, great, great intro to what we're going to talk about here. Um, and, I, and I love how you mentioned it, right? So assets under management, you know, that's almost the, 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 the giant um, thing, right? That, that, it, that all of our financial advisors are after, you know, that's really what, what these sharks are after. They want your money so that way they can earn some commission and they want to, to, to uh, direct it where they want. But for what you said, right? To learn that education, to be that educated buyer, to know where your funds are going and to, you know, in some instance, direct it yourself because who better is going to invest your money than you, right? So that makes, that makes good, good sense. Um, yeah, that, that is so right. And just looking a little bit what goes on in the financial industry, uh, just Google 401k litigation, mm, uh, you know, fiduciary right. rules. Uh, unfortunately, for better or for worse, that industry has a very uh, checkered past um, you know, when it comes to putting their clients' interests first. Uh, unfortunately, that's definitely not the rule. It's more the exception. Right. For sure. So, so since we're on this topic, right, um, what kind of questions should, um, let's say, a service member going into a financial manager for the first time, what sort of questions should they ask to really get educated? So that's, that's an awesome question. And I think the key thing is first take a step back. They've got to educate themselves about what's out there. Um, because the analogy that I like to use, and I think some others have said they're going to start using this as well since I've shared this with them. Mm -hmm. uh, when you go into a, an Asian restaurant, they're going to tell you what's, what they've got on the menu. You know, you'll get whatever they've got at an Asian restaurant. Uh, don't expect the waiter there or the server to tell you, uh, you know, down the block, you can get some great French cuisine um, or you can get some Mexican food. They're, they're not going to tell you that. Right. Uh, so, and there are very few questions. If you start asking that server about Mexican food, uh, they're not going to have anything to say. Hmm. So the first thing you've got to do is take a walk, walk around the block. Get educated about the various options and recognize when you go talk to a financial advisor, um, you're checking out a very specific type of cuisine. They've got a menu and that's what they're there to sell. Now, that may be the right thing for you. Um, it's not my objective to say that that's bad. Uh, what bothers me about that industry is that there are people are led to believe that they're getting the full menu, that they're seeing the full universe of what's out there. Hey, this is one-stop shop. I'm going to go in here and you're going to take care of me. Uh, but it's not like that. You're going in there and you're going to get Chinese right. or Mexican or whatever it's going to be. You're not getting everything that you can. So you got to check out, by all means, check out what the financial advisor has got, but also check out ADPI and learn how you can take a more active role using real estate and hard assets 
and then choose. Then maybe talk to that financial advisor and say, okay, what are you going to do for me? And say, all right, on ADPI, I learned that I can do this. Um, and how does that stack up against what the financial advisor is presenting? Um, maybe do a combination of both. Um, it's really a personal choice. So it's not about saying this is right and that's right or one is more right. Um, everybody's got their own right, their own goals, their own objectives. It's figuring out what you want to do um, and the best route for you to get where you want to go. I love that, man. Absolutely love it. So that is that's a very, very solid point. Definitely want to educate yourself first. And actually, that goes right into everything that we talk about here. It's education, right? Then networking, finding those professionals out there that you can you know, work with that are like-minded to help you get to your goal and then taking action, right? Making things happen. So phenomenal point. Um, so before we really get into this in the nitty gritty, I want to talk real quick about this whole idea of investing tax-free, right? What is that? Why is that important? And how does that really work? Okay. Awesome question. Uh, and we'll have to break it out because there are different types of tax-free investing. Yep. Uh, so and let's use the let's use retirement accounts as an example uh, because they really have all the different components in them. So there's one kind of tax-free investing that we would probably more technically refer to as tax-deferred. And then there's a kind of investing that's really tax-free. Mm. And the right match for you is going to depend on the kind of deal that you're doing, your current and future income tax bracket and the time value of money. Um, so let's talk about what are traditional IRAs, traditional 401ks, traditional QRP, uh, because that's what most people think of and are aware of when they think about tax-free investing. And that, those are truly tax-deferred. What that means is, say you made $50,000 this year. Now, you can get taxed on $50,000, or you can take 10000 of that and put that into a tax-sheltered retirement account. And then come tax time, it's as if you told the IRS, I only made 40000 this year. That other $10,000 of income does not exist for 2019 income tax. No taxes. Um, so right there, you've got a major benefit because on that $10,000, you would have paid taxes. And when you pay taxes, that means you have less money to invest. Right? You want to do a deal. The biggest thing that can contribute to your long-term success is continued compounded growth. And when you've got to keep paying out expenses every year, you have less to invest and less time for compounding growth. Uh, so what's neat about that is you get an immediate tax deduction, which gives you more money to invest. Then you take that money and you invest it. And guess what? All the income on that investment is tax-free. You don't pay taxes on it. So you can go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years uh, without paying taxes on these investments. And when you think about the biggest expense that every investor has, you know, it's not their mortgage interest. Um, it's not your insurance. The biggest expense that you've got is taxes. And long-term, when you think like an investor, um, and an educated financial investor, what you want to think about is your opportunity cost. What does it really cost you? Um, yes, if you add up the tax bill on that every year, or that's going to give you one number. And maybe cumulatively over the course of time, uh, that 
that cost you two hundred thousand uh, dollars. You know that it would have cost you in taxes. But what you're not taking into account is, hey, what could two hundred thousand dollars have done for me right. over fifty years? Yep, exactly. It's a great point. And that number is astonishing. You'd be amazed if you do these calculations, put them into a spreadsheet, into a calculator. Think about an annualized return um, over decades, um, and it really ramps up in the later years. So the further into the process you are, uh, your growth begins, your compounding really begins to accelerate. Um, It just gets turbocharged. Uh, So over time, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars of difference in your net wealth. So that is one kind of tax-free investing. But why do we call that tax-deferred? It's because when you do pull the money out of that account, the IRS gets paid. They're like, we gave you we gave you decades. We gave you 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever it is for you. We gave you decades of no tax um, so that you can grow that nest egg. Uh, but now we want to get paid. We're hoping that through this time, we're all going to benefit. Yes, the IRS, what I like to say is the IRS believes in you. Yeah. Congress doesn't do this just because, uh, you know, out of the goodness of their hearts. Uh, <laughs> they really do this because they also think this is going gonna to pay off for the American economy because you're going to have more savings. Right. And if you have more savings, it's also going to be more money for the government uh, because when you do well, they do well. The government's going to do well too. Yep. So that's the idea. The major benefit is going to be you're going to get um, decades of tax-free growth, but at the end, when you pull that money out, and you can pull it out gradually, um, you're going to pay the IRS. So it's tax-deferred. That's one kind of tax-free investing. That making sense? Yeah, man. That is awesome, dude. That is, that is phenomenal. And and it makes so much sense because, you know, when you we're talking about IRAs, Roth versus traditional, right? There's that whole, I mean, everyone's told, you know, you put it in traditional, you know that it's going to build and you're going to get taxed on it later. You put it in Roth, now you're going to get taxed and then it'll, you know, you'll be able to take it out tax-free later on. Okay, that's exactly it. Right, <laughs> so exactly. you kind of, you, that's the, the other kind of tax investing would have been the Roth, which you just said. Right. Um, and the Roth really is tax-free. Mm-hmm. You don't get that tax deduction in 2019, but that money will never, ever be taxed again. Uh, and just to, you know, help listeners understand, you know, why would, when would you use Roth? When would you use traditional? Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's scenario is going to be different, but let's use uh, some extreme examples. Uh, you know, you remember Mitt Romney ran for president. He, yeah. you, they said that he's got an IRA that's supposedly worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, same for some other famous entrepreneurs, Max Levchin, um, Peter Thiel. Um, they've reportedly got IRAs that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Nice. Now, where would you rather have, would you rather have that kind of IRA in a Roth IRA? Absolutely. Or in a traditional? <laughs> Absolutely. Roth all the way, man, because there's no way you're going to take, what, 30, 40% tax off the top? Man, that's crazy. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly it, Mike. And you're not going to believe this. I believe Mitt Romney's got that in a, in a traditional. Oh, man. <laughs> you know that's getting handed down for gener- generations. That, that, that's crazy. Uh, but, right, but Peter Thiel and Max Lefshin put some money into PayPal using self-directed Roth IRAs when the companies were founded for pennies, a couple of thousand dollars, and today that's worth 
hundreds of millions tax-free forever. Smart. Smart, man. Yep. That's it. That's what you got to do, guys. Listen. Listen to this man. He's wise. And, and hey, Mike, imagine, envision Peter Thiel or Max Levchin going into their local financial advisor and saying, um, you know, I've, I've got some Roth IRA money. Um, I want to invest it. And they're like, what do you want to do? Well, I want to put it in this startup and say, nah, that's too risky. Don't do that. We've got mutual funds. Uh, don't put the money. You want to put it into PayPal. That's a startup company. Don't put it there. That's um, not do anything. That's yeah. exactly. Amazon? What is this? They're selling stuff <laughs> online? That's, that's retarded. Why would you do that? That's so risky. Oh, yeah, man. Exactly. Don't listen to the naysayers, guys. Listen to Bernard. <laughs> you got it. And it's not... And I can't emphasize this enough. It's about making the educated. You know, when Amazon was a startup, it was risky. But you took that risk. Reap the rewards. Yeah. You know, if, and be the consequences if it doesn't take off. Uh, and yes, perhaps you shouldn't put all your money into a startup or your money to a single deal. But you definitely should be able to self-direct and say, hey, let's put some of this money into a startup. Put money into a real estate deal and see where that goes. Let's just see, right? It's not, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, but you're putting, you know, whatever you're comfortable with for your risk tolerance into something new that if you've been studying long enough, right? And you feel confident to do it, make it happen and you could win big, right? And that's crazy. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. I love that. I love that. So let's, so let's talk more about, about this self-directed. As a matter of fact, before we do that, I wrote something down here. So you mentioned QRP. I want to talk real quick. What is that? Because a lot of folks I don't think will, get, will catch that. All right. And uh, Mike, you really, you did the research. Um, QRP, when you hear like these new kind of acronyms, uh, throw people for a loop thinking, what is this, a UFO? Is this some sort of <laughs> EP? Uh, right. You know, what, what have we got here? And QRP just stands for Qualified Retirement Plan. Right. And there are different Broadly speaking, we can categorize tax shelter retirement accounts into two groups, IRAs and QRPs. And for anybody that comes to us to see, hey, how they should self-direct, you know, all right, I want to put my TSP, I want to put that into real estate. So I want to roll it over to some sort of self-directed account. Uh, So we'll take them through that, identify which is the best structure for them. Um, each structure has its different facets, its different pros and cons. Uh, frankly, when we can, we'll put people into a QRP, but not everybody qualifies for a QRP. Um, a QRP you've got has got to be connected to an active trade or business. Uh, so you've got to have some sort of business. Uh, long-term rentals is not a business for this purpose. It's got to be the kind of, you know, consulting is a business. Um, it's got to be the kind of business... Uh, for those that do their own taxes, maybe that you would put on a Schedule C. Um, it's got to be an active business, not an investment. And this is something that we've seen a lot of, shall we say, pitfalls in. People that are getting QRPs uh, that are not well suited to it. Ultimately, it's about getting the plan that's going to be the best match for you. Uh, so we do self-directed QRPs and the self-directed IRAs. Um, and it's really about, again, it's what's the right plan for you uh, based on your financial scenario and what you want to do. Interesting. So, so you're saying that the QRP has to be tied to a business. It can't be tied to another investment like a real estate deal or anything like that. Now, question, 
is this something that you can invest into your own business? Like, let's say you started a business from home and you want to invest that money into your active business. Yeah. So that's the key, key, key to understand um, that these, it's good to back up a bit. Let's say, let's back this up and let's talk about the basic rules, parameters that we've got yeah. the IRS has given us for this stuff. Great idea. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's talk. So the first question that we get is, mm-hmm. is it legal? Uh, you, you're not going to, we got clients that come back to us, you know, we've set them up with the plan and then mm-hmm. our focus is checkbook control. Uh, so they're actually going to get the money in a bank account. Um, so we've got partnership relationships, but we also tell our clients, Hey, you want to go to your local bank? We'll support you. Um, and we'll try to help you get that set up at your local bank. Uh, they go into the bank and they say, I want to set up a bank account. And the banker sees that it's got something to do with the 401k or IRA. They're like, sure, well, we can handle this. Uh, they'll send them over to their financial advisor uh, and they'll try to set them up with an IRA. Right. Uh, and then like class, like, no, I've got an IRA. I've got a special IRA that I can invest in real estate. And the bank financial advisor will say, what? Who told you you can do that? Right. Uh, I think you just check this out. Go talk to a CPA. Make sure you don't go to jail for this. Um, so the first question is, is this legal? Is it legal? Uh, you know, can you invest your IRA or 401k can be invested in real estate? Uh, and you and I both know the emphatic response is yes. And just to put it in perspective, if you go look at the tax code uh, where it talks about IRAs and QRPs, guess what? It doesn't say anything about mutual funds either. Uh, it doesn't say anything about stocks. Um, it just says, hey, you can put money to this kind of account and invest it with tax benefits. And then it specifies a couple of stuff that you can't invest in. You can't invest in collectibles. That's you know one of the big ones. So don't go be going alcohol, fine art, rugs, antiques. Uh, <laughs> invest your IRA money into it. Yeah, no. Exactly. That's off limits. Okay. But that's other than that, it is silent. The IRS trusts you to be the smartest about your money. That's the way they look at it. Hey, we're giving you incentives to be smart about money. Uh, we're not looking to be financial advisors or to be a conduit to financial institutions. We're going to give you the incentives, and then we know that's how capitalism works. You got incentives, and you work hardest for yourself. Right. Uh, so. You can definitely put the money. If it's not a collectible, it's not life insurance, you can put your money in there. Uh, but, all right, now that we know what kind of asset classes you can put your money into, uh, which is just about anything, if you can imagine it, you can put it there. Uh, so what limitations are there? So there is a group of rules called the prohibited transaction rules. And what those are about is really Congress trying to make sure that you use these accounts for long-term growth and not somehow to siphon off money for your vacation today or to pay for your living expenses. It's, these are rules that are there to make sure that you use this for long-term asset growth, long-term financial security, and to grow that, uh, you know, you're taking the long game. And what those rules say is we want to make sure that Mike or Bernard does not get any financial benefit today from his retirement account. So you're going to put that IRA into real estate. That's cool. But um, that's not a, a, you can't buy real estate that you already own. Say, you know, you've got a deal that you've got, an asset that you own. And you're thinking, hey, I'm paying taxes here. Be really neat to get this into an IRA. Let me just move this into my checkbook control IRA. 
<laughs> That's not going to work. Don't want to do that. When you bought the deal, you could have bought that with your IRA. Once you own it, you can't do business with your IRA, nor can you, you know, both ways. If your IRA has got an asset and you're thinking, hey, I want to sell it out to myself, you can't. You can sell it to somebody else. It's unrelated, but your IRA can't sell real estate to you, um, nor can you live in that real estate. You can rent it out. It's supposed to be an investment, no personal use, um, you know, of that asset by the IRA owner. So the limitations that you've got are about keeping you and your IRA from doing business with each other. You control the IRA, but you don't do business with it. So to bring this full circle, um, can you take your IRA and then put it in a business that, you're do that you've got? Um, strictly speaking, no. Um, if it's an active business that you're running, you can't put it in there. Uh, but if you're a real estate deal, think about this broadly. You do real estate. Right. You can, you can buy a property in your own name. And I buy another property in your IRA's name. Um, and you can even partner on a deal. But once, if you bought that outright in your own name, then your IRA can't get in on that. Got it. Okay. So it has to be a strict investment that you make from IRA to your investment for the first time. No. That's it. That's it. That's it. So these prohibited transaction rules sound onerous to people, throws people for a loop thinking it's really almost there are some gray areas, but for the most part, you can do, you, you want to buy real estate, you can buy it. Uh, if you want to sell the real estate that you've got, that's off limits. Uh, but think about it this way. Uh, is there more real estate in the US uh, that you own or that you don't own? Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's point. just, a, <laughs> there's a world of opportunity out there uh, this limitation really has very little impact um, on what you can actually do. Right. So great point. Great point, man. Phenomenal. And, uh, and I, I love that. And if we can just continue this topic on prohibited transactions, um, are there any restrictions as to family members that you can work with? Yes, you got it. So there's a group um, broadly speaking that are called disqualified persons. Mm. And again, the philosophy here is the same. Congress and the IRS are thinking, hey, these are the people uh, that you would take the shirt off your back for. Um, these are the people uh, that kind of are, you and them are one and the same. And we got to be concerned that if they're able to get some sort of current benefit, again, the IRA is kind of going to be raided and be used today and not for long-term growth. And those people are parents, grandparents, children, uh, and spouses of children. So if you've got a daughter, she gets married. So the son-in-law is also disqualified. Mm -hmm. um, noteworthy, and whatever IRS has got to say and the Congress thinks about familial relationships, uh, your in-laws are not off limits to your IRA. Wow. Okay. So, so in-laws, in-laws are okay. <laughs> in-laws are okay. Siblings are okay. Aunts and uncles are okay. Nephews and nieces are okay. Buddies are okay. Um, it's those family members. But right. the way to look at it is broadly speaking, rather than focusing on the nitty gritty, if you're doing something with your IRA, think, hey, am I doing this so that I can get somehow get money back to my own pocket today? Or am I doing it for the long term? Um, you think about it conceptually, that should keep you out of trouble. That makes sense, right? The goal is you're using it for your, or you're using your retirement funds 
So the goal is to build your retirement account that's long-term. You guys should be thinking that anyway. Don't think about short-term game for this. This is not what we're talking about. So yeah, love that illustration. That being said, hmm? there are lots of current benefits. Let's call them intangibles mm -hmm. that you can derive today. You know, somebody's new getting into real estate, right? It helps. You know, once you do that deal, even if you do that with your IRA, a 401k, you are now in real estate. The relationships that you've developed, they are yours. You got a good real estate agent. You got good education. You got good mortgage broker, a good mentor. Uh, those are yours to keep and to use however you invest. So if you're, if you're either, if you're good at real estate investing, you want to do that with your tax-free accounts. If you want to get into real estate investing, um, a fringe benefit is, hey, you've got money in these accounts leverage those. Once you're in the game, you're in the game. <clears throat> That's a great point. I love that. And you know, uh, something else, just to, just a ton of touch over, and I know that this is situational dependent, so it may have a very, very ambiguous answer, but we get a question a lot, you know, from the folks that really want to get themselves more prepared financially, you know, for the long term. Uh, ahead of time, before they get into real estate, right? Have you seen or have you experienced that question where someone comes to you and asks, uh, should I set everything up first or should I start, you know, building my empire and then set things up once I'm ready, right? How do you answer that question? Yeah, you see that all the time. And my response to that is, you've got to take things step by step, mm. but you want to put in place um, the groundwork, uh, the pieces of the puzzle uh, that lay the foundation and then can grow with you. So yes, new investors, um, for better or for worse, you'll encounter, and I encounter this all the time, um, people that have these convoluted entity structures in place and have never done a deal. Mm. Um, and they may be tens of thousands of dollars in the hole for setting up these structures. Right. Um, you would have done a lot better if you would have gotten something simple in place, a couple of hundred bucks, and then put that money into a deal. Uh, that's, and that's the best education you can get is by taking action. Uh, don't go ahead and take $30,000 um, and put it into a course. Um, you know, Find a course that's more affordable and then take action. Use the balance so you can get to the school of hard knocks. Uh, your first deal may be a home run, it may not be, but take an affordable course, get good mentors, um, get your basic structure in place. Yes, don't get some sort of foreign asset protection trust, uh, but get an LLC right. uh, and, and get the ball rolling. Take action. I love that. I love that. And, and we're not knocking anyone that, you know, uh, that wants to go about getting the coaching and mentoring that some of these high level programs can offer because sometimes they're very invaluable. I mean, you get amazing connection with some folks that have been experienced for decades and have connections that they can leverage for you. But you got to weigh the cost here, right? I mean, how much money are you willing to invest in yourself for that to get yourself started? Are you committed, right? I mean, you're absolutely right, Bernard. You know, the, you may be, may be better off just getting something basic and getting the ball rolling, getting that action going so you can find out if it's for you, right? If this is something you really want to do and then go and spend that money on a program if you want, you know, I mean, you know. I would say the the... A way to look at this is that really you want to get to work with people that are actually 
doing the deals. Um, And don't expect to get in there for free because people that are actually doing stuff are busy. They've got stuff to do. um, And you're not going to get in for free. But at the same time, they're, you know, they're, you've got to put it in and say more about to take action. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let your program grow with you. I love that, man. That's so smart. So smart. Awesome. Awesome. So you, you mentioned checkbook control a lot, you know, when we're talking, is it okay? Can we dissect that just a little bit? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. So what does checkbook control mean? Um, and to be totally frank, checkbook control is my focus very much um, in this space. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about retirement accounts, uh, well, retirement accounts, we're used to having them held at a custodian. You go to your bank, you go to Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard, um, they control it. They've got the assets. Well, that works very well. That's awesome when you're buying mutual funds. But when you want to buy a property down the block, how are you going to do that? Uh, Can you call Fidelity and say, hey, I've got my IRA at Fidelity um, and I want to buy a property. They're going to say, that doesn't work. We can't help you with that, sir. (laughs) So the way you've got to do that is you've got to have an account and a retirement account set up somewhere else. So we set up the retirement accounts in a way that you get the money in a bank account so you can write those checks, ACH, and wire. But there is, you can have a self-directed retirement account where there is a custodian, a financial institution that holds the money. And these are self-directed IRA custodians. And when you call them up and say, hey, I've got a property I want to buy, they'll accommodate you. Uh, but they don't do this for free. Uh, so there's, a, there's a, cost, a cost to having them hold your money. So when you use that custodian model, you've got a property, well, they're going to charge you a fee just for having your money, for having the account. Um, they may charge you an asset-based fee, just like the financial advisors. They're going to charge you a fee for every transaction. And every transaction, paperwork is going to have to be duplicated. You've got to send it to them. All right, you want to close on the property. Get everything in order, set up all the paperwork. Then get the custodian's paperwork. Send that all into the custodian. Their processing team reviews it, uh, takes them time to do that, and eventually they will fund your deal. Um, and you've got to repeat that process every time you want to move money. So when you want to be doing real estate deals, alternative investments, um, if you want to keep your costs down and be nimble, be able to close on deals easily and quickly, you want to get that money into a bank account. And that's what we focus on. And that's what checkbook control refers to. You've got control of the checkbook. Um, we should update that to wire control, ACH control. Um, it's a, it functions like a bank account and you can get in that deal quickly, cheaply, and easily. Love it. Absolutely love it. Cut clear and super simple. So definitely want to make sure that this is something that, you know, if you are using an IRA um, that is self-directed, it has, right? I mean, you want to make sure you have that control to, to go into the investments that you're looking to do. Um, that is, that's, that, I love that. It's super amazing. Now, um, my last question, man, before, as I know we're short on time, but I, um, I get, also get this question a lot too. Um, is it better to invest into real estate directly with your IRA, right? To buy a property with your IRA, or is it better to 
um, write a check, right? Like a hard money loan or something like that. God, is it better to be an equity investor or fund a deal as a debt investment? Correct. Okay. And is it within an IRA or outside of an IRA? Within an IRA. Within an IRA. Mm-hmm. That is a loaded question, Mike. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> maybe, that, that is an absolutely maybe, loaded question. Maybe, maybe it's too much for our time. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, well, I'll, let, I'll, let you, I'll let you go for it. What I'll focus on mm-hmm. is one of the, the things that you've got to be thinking about when you do this. Um, because there are so many different moving parts from fundamentally debt deals, a debt investor differs from an equity investor, mm-hmm. right? An equity investor is looking to take more risk and get more potential upside. Mm-hmm. Whereas a debt investor is saying, I'm going to protect my downside and take a fixed return, uh, right? I'm going to lend you that money at 10%, right? Now, somebody's taken that hard money loan or that private loan. And for me, if I'm a savvy investor, Right, and I'm taking that loan. That means I'm thinking I'm going to do a heck of a lot better than 10%. And this is just, it's really worthwhile. So there are two different perspectives on a deal. Uh, Do you want to cap your downside um, and take that 10% return, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is awesome. You're never going to get that anywhere else. Uh, Go to the stock market. It's going to be bouncing all over the place. Uh, Volatility risk of loss of principal, we're here, hey, it's secured by a piece of real estate. You're not going to lose money here. Uh, you're going to go foreclose on that, right? And without getting into details, let's just assume right. we're talking about first position lien, private loan, hard money loan, what you want to call it, you're going to get an asset. If not, you're getting 10% per month on your money. You may be 7%, you may be getting 17%. You can structure whatever you'd like. Mm-hmm. I've seen it all. Um, so, that's the, really the big question. Where do you see yourself? That's a much broader question you've got to think about. What kind of, what's your role in this? And normally, the debt investor is extremely passive, right? right. Just writes that check and waits for the money to come in. Doesn't look for deals, right? The investors look for him, right? They, you know, you're the bank. They got a deal to fund. They come knocking on your door. Um, so that's, you know, one side of it. Whereas the equity, one that's actually doing the deal or you're putting money into a deal, usually there's a lot of work there, um, higher upside potential, higher risk. Uh, so, you know, if there's a lender on the deal, he may, you know, and things go south, you can, you can lose it all. So that's a very broad question. Where do you want to be? Where do you see yourself? What stage of the game are you at? You know, how much can you handle? From a tax perspective, um, and you want to use retirement accounts for the type of investments that need the best tax protection. So say somebody's thinking, I'm going to do hard money loans and I'm going to do equity investing in real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've got $100,000 in my IRA and I've got $100,000 in my personal account. And I want to do 100000 in equity investing in real estate and 100000 in real estate debt investing. In that case, use the IRA for the debt and use the personal money for the equity. And the reason for that is interest income does not have a depreciation write-off. So it has no tax protection whatsoever. That's just 
fully exposed. Um, and you're going to be paying, you're going to have great income on that loan, right? but you're going to be paying taxes. Stick that into in a tax shelter. Love it. Real estate um, is, as far as investments go, is relatively tax efficient because you've got that depreciation write-off. Mm-hmm. So you've got that non-cash expense that you can use to shield some of your real estate income uh, from taxes. So all things being equal, in that particular scenario, you know, you know you want to do both. And you've got money in both places. Put the lending in the IRA. Put the real estate direct ownership in your personal, in your personal bucket. Right. Um, so these things you want to think about. But of course, um, we've got investors that are doing every single combo of this possible. It, dep- you know, it depends on your outlook, your opportunities, um, your financial profile. I love it. I absolutely love it, Bernard. That's that's amazing, man. <laughs> only I think only you could have answered that complex topic in about five minutes or less. So that's phenomenal, dude. Uh, <laughs> hey, this is what to to be fair. Um, these are kind of questions that I talk about every day, all love day. It. That's it, man. This is why this is why we chose you, man. We appreciate you on this podcast because so much knowledge and so much wisdom, and we'd love to have you back. Love to love. To I, I'd love to. Uh, frankly, this is an extremely broad topic. Um, lots of nuance. Uh, you could do a whole series on this, uh, and and it's helpful to people to to hear that uh, because really education is key. That is, it's so true. You know what? What we've been doing recently is we've been trying to do some live video, uh, Facebook videos and whatnot. So maybe we'll we'll do that. Um, you know, when you get a chance, we'll do a Facebook live in our group. And then we'll deep dive this topic and we can kind of go a little further because you're right. There are so many nuances and all that, but, um, but you know, we covered some really, really good stuff and we're short on time. So I'm going to take us to our bonus round. I've got four questions for you, man. Super quick. Let's make it happen. You know, you didn't put the four questions in the email. Absolutely not. That's right. (laughs) I certainly didn't. You know, I was prepping people for these and I started to realize I love people's unprepped responses even better. So I'm totally going to do this now. (laughs) All right. Let's go for it. Good. It's all good. Candid camera. So candid. Let's make it happen. Question number one. What's your favorite book? That is a tough one. Lots of awesome books. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Let's go with Animal Spirits. Animal Spirits. Okay. All right. Animal Spirits. Another one. What is that? Animal Spirits is written by uh, Nobel Prize winning economists. And what it's about is how the economy is really stock market. The value of these assets is not tied to anything rational. It's bouncing all over the place based on some stuff going on in our hearts and our minds collectively. Uh, And if you're a smart investor, you want to take that into account and say, hey, the masses are doing this, the value of the asset may be jumping around because of, I don't know what was in the news that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to be smart and focused, try to be rational. And I'd say this is more prevalent, you know, if anywhere, you know, we got bubbles in markets, you want to think about bubbles. Uh, so I like the fact that they take a very formal studied approach to studying something that we all know is there. Right. Um, and they kind of put it in a book. That's awesome, man. If you, if you can learn anything, you can learn it in a book. I firmly believe that. So that's why I always ask our, uh, our special guests here because you know the books that you guys are reading definitely can help uh, us and, and our guys um, learn this stuff. So that's good. 
All right, man. Question number two, who is your biggest hero and why? Oh, wow. Ah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> My biggest hero. Mm-hmm. So there's a personal side to this. Um, and my biggest hero probably wouldn't want to be mentioned on a podcast. But, <laughs> no worries. Uh, but what I'd say is, you know, think, think they'll think a biggest hero, maybe thinking about somebody, you know, on a financial podcast, mm-hmm. somebody financial. And, and I think financial stuff are great. Hey, I'm a CPA. I'm all about financial uh, but certain things that are more important and more foundational than financial, um, that'll help you in everything that you do, including the financial realm. Uh, so what I'm going to say is that my hero is somebody that's very close to me personally, um, and that has an incredible impact on everything that I do. Hey, there's no no problem there, man. We've we've heard heard moms we've heard dads we've heard husbands wives all sorts of of uh, answers but it's so true man and and the reason why these questions is that you know our, our guests can kind of get to know personally and you're absolutely right right there's something that's so transcendent more than just money and that's why we do it that's why we love it the education is great we want to get our guy our folks out there to to succeed but we also want them to be grounded and realize that there's some other stuff out there. So phenomenal answer, my man. Phenomenal answer. Question number three, and going back to this, what do you like to do for fun outside of the whole fun? Yeah, uh, it's time with the kids. That's All it. Right, there you go. Listen, and it's good to enjoy something that you've got to do anyway. Right. Exactly. Well, wait, and it goes back to why are you doing it? You know what I mean? Like, why that, are that's we? That's right. Right. So that's awesome, man. All right. And then the final question. Uh, what three nuggets of wisdom could you leave for those that are just getting started? Okay, let's do it. Let's condense it into three. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it's about extracting you know, some of the key principles from the last half hour of discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is recognize that you are ultimately responsible for yourself mm-hmm. and nobody else is going to take that responsibility. Mm-hmm. So you can... So the first thing is recognizing that you are the focal point of your personal and financial life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that holds true for every one of us. And by definition, that means that nobody else is sitting in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, you take, make those choices. Um, nobody's going to take care of you the way you'll take care of yourself. Um, so you've got to recognize that's where you stand. Number two, once you recognize that's where you are, recognize you still can't go it alone. You may be the center, but you are not alone. Um, So you've got to reach out and broaden and engage, uh, bring mentors, professionals, advisors, guides, friends, family. All those people are there for you. Yes, they are not you, but they are instrumental um, and key components of your success. So recognize that you've got to be there for yourself, but don't make the mistake of thinking that you are it and you are everything. Then you are doomed to fail. You've got to take cares at those place. Love that, man. Absolutely love it. Phenomenal. Bernard, thank you so much for your time, man. This has been an absolute pleasure. We really got to have you back on here. 
uh, I want to give uh, uh, your chance, um, you know, to explain a little bit of like what you do with your company and uh, and how can our folks get in contact with you? Yes, certainly. The we've got a couple of things that we do. Mm-hmm. Our online presence is very much devoted to checkbook control retirement accounts. Uh, so if you do a Google search, you can search for Bernard Reese. Uh, you can search for Reshore Financial. Um, you'll find us. Uh, we've been out there, countless media, lots of blog posts, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you are, you do that Google search um, and you are bound to find us. Um, and our approach is very, very unique. Uh, we're not there to say, hey, give you a plan, um, collect a fee, and then give you just enough rope with which to get yourself in trouble. Right. Uh, it's really about taking things from the ground up. There are multiple plans out there, QRPs, uh, 401ks, IRAs. We do them all. Uh, and the way we work with is, hey, we, take, we start from the ground up with you. Uh, we talk through every component so we can identify which plan is best for you. Uh, we're there for every step of the way um, and make sure you know about the rules, the stuff that we discussed and we're able to answer the questions um, that you've got for the investment that you'd like to pursue. Uh, so that's what you're going to find out there. Uh, but we're involved in tax strategy, tax advisory. So real estate professional, opportunity zones, life insurance, checkbook life insurance. Uh, but I'd say our anchor program is the checkbook control retirement accounts. Love it. Love it. Well, all right, guys, make sure that you guys reach out to Bernard. There'll be links in the show notes page to all their resources and, uh, and how to get in touch. And thanks again, Bernard. I can't wait to have you back on. Mike, thanks for having me on ADPI. Awesome to be here. And I'm looking forward to coming back. All right. All right. Take care. Outstanding. That was an awesome episode. Thanks so much to our special guest. And thanks to you for listening. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, make sure you go and do that. Or schedule a call with us by texting ADPI to 444-999 or checking out our website at www.activedutypassiveincome.com to find out how you can get started on your financial freedom journey today. I'll see you guys next week.